Hello everyone out there. This is Peter Harris from Commercial Property Advisors, author of the book, Commercial Real Estate Investing for Dummies, and coach and mentor to many commercial real estate investors all across this great nation of ours. The title and subject of today's podcast is Four Reasons to Walk Away from a Deal. As you know, we do a lot of coaching around this country on commercial real estate investing. We have many very successful students all across this country. But one of our chief responsibilities as a coach and as a mentor is to say no to the student when the deal is bad. Now here they are, they may be emotionally attached to the property, they may have a relationship with the seller, or they may have just known the property and watched it for a long time and really, really want the deal. Our job is to give them a frank answer based upon the facts, yes or no. And sometimes, well most times, it's no. It's just like buying a car. Let's say you go out and buy a car and you discover that it's not worth the money, maybe the car needs too much work, or maybe the seller is shady. Same thing applies with commercial real estate. So in this one, I'm going to share with you four reasons to walk away, to walk away from a deal when it's in your best interest not to do the deal. So let's get started. Now, these are just four. There's many more than four, but these are the top four that we run across as coaches and mentors to our students around the country. So let's get started. Here is reason number one to walk away when the numbers don't work. Now, in this particular case, the deal is over leveraged. Over leveraged is a common trap to fall into when you don't know what you're doing, when you are a beginning real estate investor and trusting people that really don't invest. Let me give you a quick example of what it is. Before I start, so over leveraged means when you have too much mortgage and not enough income, okay? So you wanna be this way, you wanna have a lot of income and, and a small mortgage. In this case, it looks like everything is okay, but in actuality, the, the mortgage is pushing down the cash flow on the property and makes it a dangerous deal where you should probably walk away, all right? So let's get started. So we have a 10-unit apartment building. Each of the rents are $708 a unit. That equals $85,000 a year. 10 times $708 times 12 months is $85,000 per year. I'm gonna take expenses to be a little more than a third of that at $30,000. That leaves me with a net operating income of $55,000. Okay, you follow me so far? Income minus expenses equals the net operating income, okay? Now we subtract the mortgage, you need to subtract the debt. So from this number, we subtract the debt, which is $47,000 a year, and if you subtract the debt from the NOI, uh, you come out with $8,000 a year in cash flow, or $667 a month. Now, what's the problem? What's the problem here? You have a cash flowing deal, you're 100% occupied, let's say it's a good neighborhood, what is the problem? Why would we as coaches tell you to walk away at this point or to be very cautious if not walk away. Well, here's the problem. The cash flow is too low. $667 a month. All you need is, is one of these tenants to walk away and your negative cash flow like $47. So you have one of your tenants walk away, you are 90% occupied. You think you're doing well, but you're actually negative cash flow $41. And the reason why is your debt is too high compared to your NOI. I'll explain in one minute. Let me give you another example. Okay, here you are cash flowing 66, 67 a month. What if you have a broken window? 
These days, broken windows cost $700 to replace. So you have a full house, you have one broken window to replace, all of a sudden, you're a negative cash flow. Too close for comfort here. If this is the best you can do, I am going to tell you to walk away from this deal. It's not worth doing it. Now, let me explain to you the measure that we use and professional real estate investors use, as well as lenders use, to measure if there's enough NOI to cover the debt. It's called the debt coverage ratio, or DCR. What ratio is this? It's the ratio between the NOI and the debt. So the NOI is 55,000 and the debt is 47,000. That's a ratio of 1.1. Now for lenders, they want you to be at 1.2. So forget that you don't want this. You want to be at 1.2. At 1.2, this 0.2 is your buffer above the mortgage so you have enough cash flow here. At 1.1, you're barely positive cash flowing. At 1.2, it's a buffer that lenders like and that we like. So we want you to be at least greater than or equal to 1.2. If not, you can have a broken window, you can have one attendant move out, and you're negative cash flow. So that's when you walk away. However, what's the solution to this scenario? That's where coaching comes into play. To improve the scenario, you can do two things. Number one, you need to improve the NOI. How do you improve the NOI? Well, by raising the rents or by reducing expenses, this number goes up and then this ratio gets affected and then you can be at 1.2 or higher, okay? So that's one solution. If you can figure out a way to get the rents up quickly or reduce the expenses to increase the NOI, then we can proceed. The second solution is to do uh, creative financing or seller financing. That's something here at our company we do a lot of, we're experts at, don't try to do it by yourself. Too many variables when you do something creative that could trap you. So the first reason to walk away is if you are over levered, if the numbers don't work, and it's the best you can do, you need to walk away, trust me. Let's go to reason number two. Reason number two, shady seller. You can't do a good deal with a bad seller. Let me explain the situation to you. This is a real deal situation from one of our students. So initially, our student had a good relationship with the seller. They headed off, they're talking on the phone a lot, they're emailing, they're texting, they visited the property, they even went to, to Starbucks and had coffee. So great relationship building, something we always encourage here. So they were able to go under contract eventually on this deal and then after they go into contract, the seller goes silent for seven days, does not return any calls, does not return any text messages. So head scratcher, and our student is like panicking, Peter, is this normal? I tell them, no, this is not normal. And then the seller delivers in those seven days, they're supposed to give us income expense statements, rent rolls, property information, we got zero in those seven days. And all of a sudden, the seller reappears and he delivers the due diligence documents, but much of it is missing. And what's there doesn't look real. To me, as a coach, looking at financials for the last 20 years, they look made up to me. They look fake. So I told the student, hold on, they look fake to me. Go back to the seller, inquire more, and get more information. So at this point, this suspicion starts. Not only from me, but also from the students. Even though he's a beginner, he knows something isn't right here. 
Now, let's continue. So they scheduled the inspection for the property, the walkthrough inspection. The seller did not show up. So we had to reschedule the inspection. So everybody was delayed. The inspector, the property manager, everybody was delayed for another week or so. And then we were able to get into the uh, apartment building. But guess what? The seller did not have the keys for three of the units. He wouldn't allow us into the three units. And when we door knocked, when a student door knocked, the tenants didn't even answer. Hmm, right? What's going on there? So even if you have a, a five unit or a hundred unit, you need to inspect every single unit because the one that you miss is the crack unit, is the drug unit, is the unit with all the vicious pit bulls in there. That's the horrible unit, the one that you skip over or that you think is okay not to inspect. No way. Now, right after the inspection, the seller's tone changes. He becomes rather aggressive and mean and kind of dominating and everything changes and our students are really confused. But luckily he has us, and I tell him, you know, hold your ground, we're going to get through this. Here's the question, do you see the pattern here? How do you go from Starbucks to becoming adversarial? Well, let's start asking questions. Do you think the seller's hiding something by not allowing you to see the three units, by rushing you through the process, by not showing up? Do you think the seller's trying to get you to terminate the contract? Why would he do that? Well, it's because Probably he received another offer higher than yours right when you got under contract. So he wants to take that offer instead. Maybe it's higher, maybe it's all cash. I don't know, but it's suspicious here. And why is the seller rushing you? You got all this going on here and you're a beginner. This is a situation where you need to walk away because there's several, several trap doors in commercial real estate that you can fall through and be harmed. So in this case, you need to be very, very careful. But here's the question. What does your gut say to do in this case? What does your gut say? You have two choices. You can pursue this deal and continue on, or you can cut ties with seller and move on. But when you see these traits in a seller, remember the saying, you can't do a good deal with a bad seller. A bad seller does three things. He wants to dominate, intimidate, and manipulate. When you see these three things and you're a beginner, you need to walk away because there's several traps waiting for you. The only solution is to get someone like a coach or a mentor to help you navigate these waters to keep you safe. So again, when you see a shady seller like this, this is reason number two to walk away. Let's go to reason number three. Here is reason number three, poor demographics. You can fix a property, but you can't fix a location. Got it? There is no coaching solution to fix this situation. So as a coach and a mentor, if we see this, it's a flat out no for us because you're going to get stuck in this deal. Rents are not going to go up. Property values will not go up. You're just going to be stuck. So it's not something that we'd like you to do. Let me go into more detail. What does uh, poor demographics mean? In general, it could mean that you are in a high crime area, and high crime areas tend to have the higher cap rates on paper. So you may see a 9 or 10 cap deal, lots of cash flow, great returns, but it's in a high crime rate area, and you're a beginner, you're going to think, whoa, all this cash flow is in this area, but it's a high crime area, but look at the numbers, wow. But guess what? That's only on paper. In actuality, in the high crime rate areas, 
they tend not to pay rent. They tend to pay their cell phones first, their food bill, uh, other things, and then they pay the rent. So rent's probably four or five in priority. So it's not somewhere where you want to be. So high crime rate areas don't work for commercial real estate. Number two, uh, declining population. What I like to do is find out why the population is declining. So it could lead to other discoveries, such as, is the population declining because maybe there's high property taxes in the area? Or how about if there's a high cost of living? Or what if there's just poor city management? I was once in a, in a very large metropolitan city where all of the young people were leaving because there was literally nothing for them to do for fun. Even work was not exciting there. It's a huge city. I'm not going to share what it is. Uh, but that city had a declining population until the city managers got a hold of it and started implementing some things to keep the younger people okay, and avoided catastrophe. Number three, lack of job creation. No explanation needed here. With lack of jobs, you have lack of tenants, you have lack of rent. That's it. And number four, degrading infrastructure. Now, degrading infrastructure, if you look around where you live now, you see bridges, freeways, roads, you see utility poles. All those things cost the city money to maintain. When a city or area is poorly maintained or poorly governed, the infrastructure starts to degrade. And if there is no money to fix up old sewage system, right? Where there's no more capacity, or the roads are beat up and there's no money to fix no, no money to fix them up. Utilities are antiquated, things are catching on fire, power outages, you know, all those type of things are happening. Lack of water. When the infrastructure starts to degrade, this leads to one, two, and three. And again, you need to walk away. No matter how good those deals are in these areas, you need to walk away because there's no hope for these areas at the moment. And uh, you don't want to be the first to go there and have to wait 10 years or 20 years for this to get fixed. Got it? Let's go to reason number four. All right, here is number four. And as I mentioned before, there were more than four reasons to walk away from a deal, but these are the top four. All right, so let's jump into it. Uh, the fourth reason to walk away from a deal is when you have down to the stud renovation, you should walk away. Let me explain. When you own an apartment building, uh, when a person moves out, or if you want to go in and renovate and raise the rents, there are four grades of renovation. The first grade is pretty simple. You go in, you clean up, and you wipe things down, and you re-rent it. So simple renovation. Grade number two is more common, is when you go in and you have maybe have to replace the carpet, maybe uh, replace some window shades, fix some patches on the walls. Grade two, pretty simple, pretty inexpensive. Grade three is where you get the most bang for your buck, where you get to renovate the kitchen, the bathrooms, new flooring, uh, new paint, maybe some accent walls. Okay, that's grade three renovation. That's when you get the most bang for your buck. That's when you can raise your rents most. Grade four is when you walk in and there's no, no flooring, right? So just bare wood or cement and all the sheetrock is gone and you just see the studs sticking out and then just the, the wood frame on the unit. Probably maybe it's been a burn unit or maybe a, a, a flood or, or something happened. So we call that uh, renovating down to the studs. I don't recommend that as a beginner because too many things can go wrong. So that's something as a beginner you should walk away from. Now, let me share with you three reasons why. First reason why is 
When you do down to the step renovation and why I'm so cautious with beginning students is because that the number one cause of property failure is running out of money. So down to the stud renovation costs a lot of money. Okay, it could be four or five times grade two. So we're talking a lot of money, and when there's a lot of money, there's lots of risk. So that's number one cause of failure. Number two, you have unreliable or dishonest contractors that you're dealing with as a beginner, and believe me, these contractors know if you know your stuff or not. They'll know if you're a beginner, and they will take advantage of you. There's rampant, poor, or bad contractors out there, as well as some great contractors out there, but there are some bad ones out there that will cause you to hit number one, unfortunately. So as a beginner, you really need to have a mentor behind your back, I have someone on your team who's experienced a renovation so that this won't happen to you. And number three, as a beginner, time and money are not on your side. So as a beginner, you don't know how long it takes to get a new flooring down. You don't know how long it takes to paint uh, three bedrooms. You don't know how long it takes to renovate a kitchen. We do, because we've done thousands of them. If you don't, that's when number two can take advantage of you. This is why I say number four, walking away from down to step renovations is a good thing if you're a beginner. The solution for that is to get help, maybe from us or so. Right? Get someone on your team who's done thousands of renovations so that uh, number one doesn't happen to you. So those are the four reasons. Let me repeat them. The four reasons, I would say the four top reasons to walk away from a commercial deal. Number one is if the numbers don't work. Number two, shady seller, right? You can't do a good deal with a bad seller. Uh, number three, poor demographics. You can fix a property, but you can't fix a location. And then number four, down to the stud renovations. Let me leave you with this. Uh, we do a lot of mentoring and coaching, and I always say that we are great deal killers because we have the student's best interest when they do the deal. So we, we want them protected. So we have a saying, and, we have, and the saying is, some of the best deals that we've ever done are the ones we walked away from.